Wah. Wah. Will you be our mommy slash daddy? Because we're America's most orphaned podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and if you play a game with me, I'll grant a wish. I'm Europe's best driver, Ben Sheets. Hi, and uh, calling in from afar, a whole block away, I'm Cleveland Mosier. But today you can call me Guillermo Del Totoro. What? That doesn't make any sense. No. Well, uh, yeah, Cleveland is is joining us remotely from a whole block away. uh, Because our our baby boy has the sniffles. I'm holding the COVID test in my hand. It's not COVID. Uh, It's just a a common house cold. But Ben is going on holiday uh, in the next day or two, and uh, I don't want to... Yes. possibly give him I don't want to get upset, yeah. So, so I sound like an old radio host coming in from far away over my shitty microphone. That's right. Cleveland is uh is Skyping in from 1937. That's right. But uh well, <laughs> this evening we're we're talking about a uh, a Patreon pick. This pick comes courtesy of honorary podboy Sam Simon, and uh, the film that we're going to be talking about this evening is The Orphanage. A uh, 2007 Spanish film directed by J.A. Bayona, uh, executive produced by Guillermo del Toro, and not to be confused with The Orphan, or Orphan First Kill, which comes out later this year. This is a a, a Spanish-language spooky ghost movie from the mid-2000s. I remember vaguely seeing trailers for this movie when it got its U.S. release, but I never saw it. You know, it's funny because after last week's episode, I was asking what movie we were doing this week because I totally forgot. <laughs> and I think that kind of sums up this movie in a nutshell. Even after seeing it, I kind of have forgotten a lot of elements of it. Really? Um, I, I think it's pretty good. It's pretty good, but I don't know if it's, it'll stick with me. I I think that it's kind of a victim of the landscape of uh, especially American horror in the mid two thousands. It it is very much a uh, insidious style uh, haunted house movie. Um, but I will say uh, it it is definitely better than a lot of those movies. Um, wow. Because uh, it doesn't, like, have a bunch of cheap bullshit jump scares. And uh, it's got some pretty... uh, It's pretty well directed. Yeah. Uh, It's pretty well acted. Uh, This is J.A. Bayona's first feature film. I think before this he only did music videos and commercials. Yeah, and he uh, went on to direct the grand uh, film Jurassic Park Dominion. Jurassic oh, World. Two. Jurassic yeah. World. Dominion. Uh, yeah. Is two Dominion? I think so. That was kind yeah. of a dude. Jurassic movie. World 2. Whatever Which, it is. Whichever one didn't just come out, and whichever one wasn't the first one. Yeah. That's the Number one that, two of the one that um, trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I know that Guillermo del Toro uh, has his name all over this movie and apparently was uh, responsible for getting it double its original budget. Um, so, uh, it, it definitely, it feels like a Guillermo del Toro produced 
film. Uh, it feels yes. very much like the kind of stuff that uh, that he was slapping his name on in these years. And also, you know, kind of uh, is in the same spirit as, like, uh, his couple of, like, Spanish-language horror movies sure. from, uh, from the mid-2000s. Not as good in my opinion, as either The Devil's Backbone or Pan's Labyrinth. It does remind me of The Devil's Backbone. In it does. Well, I almost did the the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV thing at one point in this movie because uh, when they have the uh, the medium, uh, like the, the ghost hunter people over to the, to the house... Uh, to do their whole business, um, the husband is kind of like talking about is like is like oh you're talking about ghosts is what you're talking about, and one of the guys is like, and what is a ghost? And that the question what is a ghost bookends the Devil's Backbone. It's both the first line <laughs> and the last yeah. line of the film. So I was like, <laughs> I was like that's a that's a, an obscure reference to get I think. <laughs> Never seen The Devil's Backbone. It's really good. It, it is good. It's it, really good. It's one of my favorite Del Toro movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. What I have seen, however, is this movie. Yes. Yeah. And I have opinions. Well, why don't you hit us with an opinion, Clave? I thought it was pretty great, actually. I Wow, uh, great. Interesting. I would, I would say great. I wouldn't say the best thing I've ever seen. I wouldn't say it's uh, a, an absolute masterpiece, but there wasn't a shot in this movie that I didn't like. I really loved the cinematography. It was beautiful. Um, it's really serene and pretty and well-framed, where it feels both heightened and also organic and real. Like they, It felt like Turner paintings, like the foggy shoreline and the beautiful like countryside and the big mansions um they felt organic and real uh and i'm sorry i've used the word organic twice but what i mean by that is the mansion never felt like a set to me it felt like a real like actual big like large mansion home like an abandoned orphanage uh but still grand like i i and it gave me a sense of like wonder that was believable and and that that's I think that sums it up pretty well. It's like it was like wonder that was like still approachable and accessible, which makes it in some cases more wondrous. So I really appreciated it for that. The cinematography I found to be really appealing. The storytelling was fine as well. In terms of the cinematography, what did you guys think of kind of the specific look of this film? Because it does have that kind of bluish tint that a lot of these mid 2000s horrors. I didn't I didn't think that was too bad. I thought during like the whole séance sequence it it that had green saw filter. Um mm-hmm. but outside of that, I thought it was it looked pretty nice. Um it didn't feel too like mid 2000s-y. Like there's of course a little bit of the the style there just cuz that's what films from that era look like. Um but I I didn't think it was egregious. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was really competently shot. I just thought it was a little dreary at times. And I think that's intentional. Yeah. But, but you know, I look at this in comparison movie. to, like, Devil's Backbone, for example, which is a little more colorful, you know? Yeah, it's a different uh, color. I, well, it's set in the desert, that, that movie true. is, too. So it's got... Uh, 
It's got a lot of the, the like, oranges and reds and browns and stuff in the mm-hmm. color palette. Whereas I think this looks much more something like Pan's Labyrinth, which, like, all yes. of the real-world stuff of Pan's Labyrinth is, like, very blue and dreary and cold and dark. And, I mean, that's by design to differentiate the real world from the fantasy world, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. No, I, I thought this film I thought this film looked good. I, I, I think that it's, it's definitely a competently made thing across the board. It feels like everybody knew what they were doing. Um, it's certainly not a bad debut uh, for for a director, a feature-length no, debut. No, like would... it's, I think it was pretty well-directed. The performances are good. The actors felt like they were well-directed. Um, I did want to circle back to something you said, Cleve, that you said it felt like a real, uh, a real location and not a set. I, I think that's interesting because it mostly was a set. I was reading about that before we started recording. Oh, sure. They shot like the like the building existed, and they did all of the external, uh, the exterior stuff there on location. But most of the stuff inside, I think they said something like eighty percent of the film was shot on a soundstage. Um, oh, definitely. But, like, it, but I, it does it like the house does feel real. I yeah. I will say. Again, that something that the makes matte it. Painting with the lighthouse is like clearly a matte painting, mm-hmm. but it was really charming. Um, and that's I think is extreme. That's as fantasy as it got. You know, out of the child's window, yeah, uh, you can see like there's a lighthouse in the distance, and it's it's a matte painting. Um, and it's very pretty to look at, but it's not high fantasy matte right. painting, and it's like very well hidden, and it's just enough to give it just a sense of magic, only a touch. And compared to like so many of these other films that like Del Toro has produced or even Del Toro films, for that matter, getting a film that's that understated and that, like, willing to, like, stay in the, the realm of real was pretty satisfying. Um, yeah, this isn't the kind of... It's not quite the kind of magical realism that Del Toro usually does otherwise. Even in yeah. his produced stuff, it's, mm-hmm. it tends to be a little more a little heightened. Little yeah. This. Uh, I, a good comparison would be... Uh, oh, fuck, what's the... The Teeth Goblin, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, right? Are You Afraid of the Dark is the children's book. No, yeah, so Don't Be Afraid of the Dark is another, like, Del Toro-produced film, so it's kind of hard for me to not compare. And it's also, like, set, like, in a, in a mansion. But that movie, I watched it very recently, and that movie, is it's a lot more apparent that they're on a set because yeah. it's, it's, everything is really high. The color is more saturated, and the, there's, the, the monsters are all CG, and the... You know, it's just it's it, everything is really overplayed. There's a lot yeah, of, you know, I, I will say score, and it's all very whimsical. And w- this didn't have that whimsy to it. And I, I kind of, I love Del Toro's whimsy. I love it to death, but it's kind of it's kind of nice to not have that in this. Yeah, I no, I, I agree with you, and I think that uh, this is again not really the film's fault, um, but it definitely I I kept thinking of James Wan movies the whole time I was watching this, especially, like, the setting. It's like, in this, okay, the 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 big house they're living in, it, like, it used to be an orphanage. They're in the process of converting it into, like, a foster home for, like, disabled children. So, like, yeah, it's a big old building, but it does have the same kind of vibes of, like, every fucking James Wan horror movie where it's, like, the house is just, like, a fucking bespoke haunted house you know what i mean uh it's it's again not this film's fault uh this film really came before i think insidious came out in like 
Or maybe it came out the same year as this. I don't know. It's all around the same time. But this did, in a lot of ways, feel like a, a Spanish James Wan film to me. But I think that's kind of my, my own problem. Was a lot less bad and noticeable. Like, it's there, like, for sure. Like, it is kind of, like, things are kind of desaturated and made kind of blue or green, but not to the degree of, like, some yeah, of the yeah, yeah, like, yeah. early yeah. films, yeah. for sure. It's, a, I, it's of, all, I, I like a little bit it's of all it. I don't, down. I don't mind it, like... You know, it's, it's, it's almost painterly. It kind of, uh, you know, it, it gives the film more of, like, a sense of a palette, you know, mm-hmm. by, like, kind of re- re- removing, like, your warm colors. Especially for a film that is, like, about, spoilers, but it's about, like, the death of children. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's not a light topic. And for that, I, I appreciate, I thought the tone was right where it needed to be. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree with all of that. Yeah. Well, story-wise, what the fuck is this movie about? Uh, a, a woman, Laura, and her husband and their adopted son uh, move into this old abandoned orphanage where she actually grew up. They they purchased it after it went out of commission. They're converting it into a home where they can take in five to six disabled children and look after them and raise them. Uh, and, uh, they're in the process of getting that set up and spooky things start to happen and their son goes missing. And what could have happened to him? You might ask. Well, we'll tell you by the end of this episode, (laughs) you'll know. So yeah, I, when we started watching this, we, we were sort of talking about like, What's the angle? Because none of us had seen this movie before. None of us really knew anything about it. So we were trying to figure out, like, within the first 15, 20 minutes, like, okay, what what is this movie about? Are we looking at ghosts? Is it, like, a demonic possession uh, film? Is it, like, a people under the stairs kind of thing? Or, like, uh, Brahms the boy, uh, you know, where some you know, weird, nasty freak is living in the walls, uh, and they think it's a ghost. What's going on here? Uh, and I will say, I, I, I was a little bit disappointed when it just turned out to be another ghost story. Yeah. It's a pretty good one overall, but I just, I, I feel like I've seen so many of these damn Part of that is to, considering the time period. Yeah. It was put out, you know, it was more fresh than it is now. Yeah. You know. Well, also importantly, uh, I did see that the script for this movie was written in 1996 oh, by so a different person. Yeah. And then, um, and of course, when they picked it up um, and were working on it, they made changes to the script, as you do, um, to to modernize it some. But um, yeah, I you know I I think that uh, this film was not it wasn't cliche at the time that it came out. We're watching it 15 years after it was released and having seen a million other movies like this that came out around this time and after. Um, You know, speaking of those other movies, uh, even more recently, I saw The Boy for the first time. Oh, uh, I haven't seen that. Like just a month ago. Oh, you haven't? No, I haven't seen that either. I go watch that garbage. Oh. 2023. Oh. Anyway. Cleveland's uh, going to inflict the boy on us. You're referencing the boy because that movie is abysmally worse than this. And again, like, that's not helping. I don't know. Maybe it is, actually. You know, it's like, no, it's a a thing I've seen and it exists and it's in the world. So, like, yeah, it's it's broadening my perspective. But I'm not going to act like it isn't. But, um, 
Yeah, and I think compared to The Boy, this this movie is is even better. Um, and I would not have wanted it to be like, oh, he's living in the walls or, or whatnot. Like, that would have been awful, frankly. And I, w- I would take this any day over that. Yeah, I, but... Like, okay, if you lean into the camp, sure. Um, but that's not what this movie was trying to do or trying to say. It was This movie wasn't about, like, having fun. This movie is about, like, telling, like, a sad story about, like, an orphanage. And I think that's okay. You know, like, yeah. I'm not... It's okay. Is it what I wanted sitting down? No, I, I I wanted. Oh, there's there's people in the walls and there's monsters and it's it's seaweed. Uh, it, it's fish people. Fish people would have been dope. I, yeah. I I do think that would have been a more fun ending to this movie. My prediction when we were when we were going in was that like you know the orphanage is like it's sort of like built up on these cliffs like over the sea and they go down to the beach you know one time early on and there's like a whole like network of caves and stuff in the cliffs so i was thinking it's like oh okay this this orphanage became defunct and for some like some reason somehow like the children who were living there were abandoned they uh started living in the caves in the cliffs under the orphanage and that like the the tunnels run all the way up into the house and stuff so we've got like these these like feral uh people who are uh feral cave people who used to be the orphans who lived in this orphanage and it's like man i i got myself too hype for that possibility because uh i want to i want to see that movie um, more yeah, than we'll, more we'll than we'll I wanted to see this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll start the screenplay. Yeah, like that's because yeah, I think that would be like a more fun movie, even. But I don't think that would necessarily be like a better written movie or a better like. You know, it's, it's not what the movie was trying to do. And no, if it had done no, no, that like sure. halfway through, I think it would have been like a weird tonal shift. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you just make the movie about that instead. That was just me trying to guess what was going on 15 yeah. minutes into the movie, you know. Uh, and then sure. the movie ended up not being that, and I was oh, yeah, disappointed. I was right <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I will say the uh, the performances in this movie really carried the tone, I think. Uh, yeah, all the know. actors are really good. Even the child actors. Yes, I would say especially, especially the little boy who plays their son. Uh, he is very good for a child actor. I think I said it while we were watching the film, but you know, like very often with movies like this, you really, you know, we, we can't always tell what how how good the performances are because of the language barrier, and so that would certainly make things easier. But in this case, with that child actor, like the physicality like was really good yeah um, yeah like and and like their emotional acting like what they're like their all of their body language was really really showed that they were anxious or upset or overjoyed in in ways that are that's hard to fake and uh or, or even i think they did get the sorry to interrupt myself but i think they did use the same kid for the the monster the, the ghost or the monster or whatever no and that's diff- are, it's different different actor okay. Oh, okay. Because I know the character was different, but okay. So, I, I yeah, I was looking at the right. cast earlier. It's different actor. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah. So, like for that chi- for that child for like the ghost monster, um, like walking around, like it was great, just enough, you know, like to be like pretty unsettling. And I I I thought that it, the mask that they were wearing, like the, it's it was almost like strangers esque, but with, you know, kind of a European, like, creepy Halloween, like, Victorian Halloween mask, you know, kind of vibe. 
Yeah, yeah well, I, I mean, it's a it's a burlap sack that a child has drawn a human-looking face on. Yeah. Um, yeah, strange. man, I would I would say another one of my bigger complaints about the movie is that there's not enough of that that spooky uh, sack boy ghost. Well, uh, yeah, well, they, they kind of put themselves in, like, a bit of a tricky spot, but I actually kind of... I thought they did a good job with it. Like, but they put themselves in a tricky spot because... Spoilers for the ending. Like, the moral is that the child's not bad. The child yeah. had bad circumstances happen yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah, but, totally. yeah, totally. So, like, the kid isn't a monster is, like, the reveal. So you can't have... Like, their kid is monstrous, but isn't a monster. He's and scary, so, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, you can't have him, like, murdering people or doing too much creepy stuff in the house. They, they're they earnestly trying to play a game, and that's a that's a really good subversion I mean, for, like, he does... what the genre was doing at the time. And James Wan movies and stuff were, are still due. He does, oh, like... Annabelle wants to play a game, and it's, like, just super scary. It's played up for, like, horror, and the game is they want to rip your head off. But here it's like, no, it's actually children trying to play games. And I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, and it's like, ultimately, he's not evil, but, like, he does, like... Uh, like shove Lara and like slam the door on her finger and like rip her fingernail off. And it's like, yeah, it's a child throwing a tantrum, not like a like a a, a ghost being evil. But I mean, there's still like he's not he's not like totally docile, you know. There is like it is still sort of a violent spirit, right? And I think there's I think there is more that you could do with that or at least see him around more, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just want to be careful cuz like they I think that was already pushing it like you were saying, so, like, to do more... I think, like, I, I would have wanted to see more of him. And I, and I think that, like, you yeah. would have done that. Right? So, at the end of the day, yes, I agree. Like, yeah. seeing a little bit more of him throughout would have kind of helped bring it home. And I think there's creepy, scary things you can do to make him seem, you know, monstrous. Yeah. Well, monsters. and also part of it, too, is that, like, uh, sort of the whole, another, like, of the big ideas of the film is that, like, people who are close to death are better capable of, like, seeing the ghosts... You know, so hence why, like, the little boy can see them, because he has, uh, that's one of the things we learn is that he has HIV. The Shining. So, <laughs> yeah. Right, the well, AIDS Shining. So it's like, and then that that sort of, uh, you know, spoilers jumping to the, the very end, you know, like, when, when she's, like, trying to, like... F- talk to like communicate with the ghosts and stuff she's like taking pills to like od to like bring herself closer to death so she can interact with the ghosts so it's like when that is like a big part of your your story's lore or world building or whatever it does kind of make it hard to like have the ghost be more present earlier in the movie you know, yeah, um, and you know, some of it is 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 fine. Like especially that, like we don't really see from like the little boy's perspective throughout the film. So like he's telling his mother about like these children that he's playing with, which she of course assumes are imaginary friends. And it's like, man, that's a fucking cliche as shit, right? The kid (laughs) sees the ghost. The parents don't, they think it's the imaginary friend, you know? So, so you get some of that like ghost stuff, like ambiently, like through the kid telling his mom about what he's experiencing. But at the same time, there is that part of me. that's like, "Mm, 
think could do with a little bit more ghost. Yeah. If, if you're gonna if it's gonna be ghost, I could do with a little bit more ghost. It's, you know what I mean? It's almost subdued to a fault at a point. Where like I I would have loved to see a little more, even if it's at the periphery. You know, like I think a great example of them doing that well is when the boy is in the cave talking to yeah. uh the ghost. Uh, you know, on the other side of the the wall. Yeah. And the mother sees him, you know, standing over there, mumbling, but we don't see it, you know. And that that alone is enough for me. You yeah. don't have to, like, show them directly all the time. Just give me a little bit more. The ghost like needs that. to be a little bit more present, yes. whether we see it or not. The, the haunting needs to be a little bit more tangible. So... Speaking of things being tangible, another thing that I think we might uh, uh, disagree on, uh, maybe not, but uh, is the uh, paranormal investigator scene. Um, oh, with our uh, round king. Yes, our, our yeah, with our, our delightfully round king. Yeah, absolutely. Our absolute unit. unit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what a, what a uh, huge guy, um, and an old lady. Um, and they're you know who that sequence going through the house. You know who that old lady is. That's Geraldine Chaplin. That's Charlie Chaplin's daughter. Oh, oh my God! Wow. Yeah. How about that. Okay. Well, I didn't recognize. No. Um, I wouldn't have any reason to recognize Charlie Chaplin's daughter. <laughs> but, um, well, how about that? Anyway, she um, yeah, she she walks through the house. And this is normally our opportunity in, like, again, like a, a James Wan film. Uh, this would be our opportunity to, to show some really fun scares because they're using night vision cameras that they've set up all over the house. So we're seeing these, like, st- static shots of, um, you know, this person walking from room to room um, trying to call on the ghosts. And instead of doing, like, you know, a, a creepy Outlast or Grave Encounters guy with, like, a long jaw or something in the background... She wanders through, and she hears the voice of children, and she's guided by them through the house until she finds the room with them all sick. And we don't see any of it. We just see her walking into the room terrified and deeply saddened and scared for these sick children well we can importantly we can hear the children yeah. too we can hear yes. them screaming and crying and you know uh begging for help and stuff like that and i will say i i agree with you on the effectiveness of that scene it is the most insidious ass scene of this movie <laughs> but that comes with the huge caveat that I think it's way better done than anything like it in Insidious. Oh, absolutely. And even though the setup for it is pretty cliche at this point, like bringing the mediums into the house, setting up all of this sort of, you know, antique looking equipment to, you know, capture the the pictures and sounds of ghosts and stuff. This movie does it really well. I I thought that whole sequence was very engaging, and I thought it was scary in the right ways. I loved that we didn't see anything. I loved that we could only hear the ghosts. Um, I thought all of that was uh, was really good. 
Yeah. Because there's so much um, imagery in the mind, um, and which, again, always, often, at least, not always, but often scarier. And, and yes, it is one of the most cliche sequences you can pull for your horror movie, right? The parallel investigators come. Yeah, they've been doing that shit since The Exorcist. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's every haunting film, but this is is once again, first off, it's well executed. And two, it's a subversion on that, right? Because again, she's not like pulled halfway up the wall and choked out by a thing we can't see. Yeah, she's She's not... not, You know, the, the, the cross doesn't turn upside down. There's nothing, there's nothing, anything, there's nothing like that she's not being attacked by a malevolent force you know they're Ah. trying to investigate what's going on and the horror is that what she finds is uh a room full of uh children who are already dead reliving their agonizing deaths um and that we only hear that and we don't see it yeah that's that's where the horror comes from not from uh like you said her being dragged up onto the wall or the ceiling or something like that or you know seeing uh a scary looking guy with who like unhinges his jaw or whatever you know that i love that shit too but like here in this movie it felt right and again what they the way they get away with it is it's well done like, yes, if it wasn't well exactly. done, it would just be fucking boring, and, uh, or whatever. But it's not, to me, at least. I can see it being boring for some folks. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, I think, to this movie's benefit. It takes a lot of horror tropes and cliché, and it just does it really well. Like, yeah. another cliché that they use in the movie is, uh, uh, we have the very old lady who yes. pretends oh, to be Child yes. Protective Services. And uh, turns out she's not. She's just some random woman. Well, not random. She used to work at the orphanage, yeah. and she's the mother of the boy, the sack boy. Yeah. And uh, the parents uh, stumble upon her as they're going home, and they uh, get out of their car to confront her, and she uh, gets hit by a truck. classic yeah and uh it's one of those things that you see a billion times in movies at this point but this movie does it really well i will say it caught me by surprise genuinely and uh the aftermath was horrifying and grotesque yeah and real like that's what's so wonderful is like like the people kind of awkwardly gathering around as opposed to like the usual like kind of crowd that just is sort of appears. Like it's like one or two people at a time. It feels very like they, you can tell they, you can tell they took extra steps to make that feel organic. They're just being a doll in the cart um, was was a nice little touch. But uh, the because uh, she, she was carrying like a pram. You know, yeah, yeah, she was like, pushing like a, a, a stroller. A yeah. Yeah, we, we see, like, as they, they pull the cloth back, that her jaw has just been, like, horribly ripped off and just... Yeah, well, I... They, they have a jump scare, too, where, like, she like she's not dead for a second, you know? And, I, I love the sequencing in that scene because, like, we, we see her get hit by the, the bus or whatever, or the truck... Uh, you know, Lara runs to, like, check the, the, um, the stroller, because she thinks, you know, her, 
her son might be in it because at this point he's been missing for six months and the police assume that this woman has like kidnapped him um and then she finds the doll she runs over to her husband who's a doctor who we and we see like people gathering around and he we can see that he's like giving the old woman cpr but we can't we haven't like seen her body yet we haven't seen the aftermath but he comes up from giving her CPR. He comes up into the shot and he's got blood all over like his mouth and chin. Um, and then we kind of catch a glimpse of like that her, the whole bottom half of her face is like gone as they're putting the, you know, somebody's putting the, the blanket or jacket or whatever over her to cover the body. Then Laura kneels down and, you know, then we get her like sitting back up kind of and the blanket coming off and seeing like the full ruin of her face. Uh, like just like the whole way that that's like cut together and how they reveal stuff is like is very it's very, very well edited. Uh, I thought that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really well done. Like I said, it, it's you know, it starts as a bit of a cliche, but yeah. it executes so perfectly. I will say that's one of those cliches that I will never get tired of. Like, I I am never not delighted when somebody gets fucking pancaked by a bus or like a semi truck in a movie. Like when they when, when they walk out into the street, drama, you name it, it's funny. Yeah, they fun, they walk out into the street. They're not looking where they're going, and just out of nowhere, just just like fucking pancakes them. That will never not be entertaining to me. Uh, so as much as I rag on cliches, that's one that I have no problems with. <laughs> <laughs> Love that one. Yeah, as long as it's well executed. Yeah, well, I mean, or more entertaining. Yeah. Even when it's badly executed, I still always think it's kind of funny. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like when you can tell, like how they've like like CG like moved the person. Yeah, like, that's that's the thing. Is like in funny. in, in yeah. the best in the best movies, it's a shocking moment. In the worst movies, it's funny at least. Yeah. yeah, you know. So like that's one of those things where I think you can't go wrong if it's done well. It can be like like a really like uh, gut wrenching moment, and if it's done badly, it's funny. So <laughs> like you really can't go wrong. Uh, this movie does it well though. Yes, it does. I'm trying to think, uh, the detective has a funny name. Pilar. Pilar. Yeah, Detective Pillar. And I was joking that her full name is Detective Pillar of Salt, and she doesn't look back on crime. I think that's pretty uh, culturally insensitive of you, Cleveland. Pilar is a not uncommon Spanish name. I well, am henceforth canceling you. Well. <laughs> I think that an Orpheus, I think that you're being culturally insensitive by not appreciating my Orpheus reference to the Greek people who, you know, that's... Cause it's a, no, it's I think cool I think you're confused. That's not Orpheus. That's, uh, that's Lot in the Bible, who as he's it's, fleeing... Oh, as I'm he's fleeing... Sure Sodom and well, no, Orpheus can't look back. Orpheus. He can't look back at uh, Eurydice, but she doesn't turn into a pillar of salt. Oh, Hades just keeps her. That's right. He no, just yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, he, yeah. he keeps her. Yeah, it's Lot. It's Lot, Lot fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, and if he looks back, then his he looks back, and his wife has turned into a pillar of salt. That's a dumb rule. Why does God 
make, give him that role. Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, it's fucking stupid. Doesn't yeah. make much sense, does it? God's Damn, kind of almost... a troll in the Bible. Troll in the Old Testament, for sure. Yeah. yeah, Old Testament guy. Kill is, your is son, for sure. Oh no, like, psych, psych. <laughs> troll face. <laughs> I can't believe you were actually gonna do you were it. Gonna do it, bro. You almost did it. Take the testament the other way around and be like, kill your son. And if he's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do that for you, it's like, wait, no, you shouldn't follow me. You suck. You're, you're gonna like kill your son. Like, don't kill your son. That's bad. You know, nice. like, you know, respect your father and mother. What happened to respect your son? Like, oh, man. like don't kill your kid. I can't That's believe bad. he was actually going to do it, homie. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're getting off topic. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so moving back to the film, do y'all have, have much else to address? Uh, the father looks like Griffin McElroy. Spanish Griffin McElroy. Yeah, that was bothering me for like half the movie <laughs> until I'm like, does this motherfucker look like he's like oh it's spanish griffin mcelroy yeah um well yeah i you know we can we can talk about how the film ends which or like you know the the last real like big sequence mm, um yeah something you know to, to provide context for that you know one of the the sort of important aspects of the movie is that early on uh, the little boy, like, tells his mom, he's like, oh, you know, I've made these friends who, you know, are the ghosts, but she's think are imaginary friends. And it's like, we play this game, they take something from you that you love, and they leave you clues to help you find it, and if you find it, they grant you a wish. And so they play that game, and what it leads him to the... Um, his like medical records that the old lady had brought with her and you know he's like oh yeah my my friends told me that you're not my real mother and that i'm gonna die soon you know so that was him finding out that he's adopted and that he has hiv because they didn't tell him either of those things so then you know they have he and his mom have a fight that's when he disappears He's gone for six months. She's like, oh, you know, what happened? Then they do the whole, like, investigation, everything. And then at the end, she, like, sends her husband away. Is like, I need to spend, you know, two days here in the orphanage alone. She uh, spends, like, all of this time, like, bringing out all the old furniture and stuff, setting everything up like it was when she lived there as a child, because, you know, the kids who died, the ghosts who died there are, like, the same kids that she grew up with, yada yada. So she's, like, trying to convince them to communicate with her so they can lead her to her son. Where Where's he at, right? What ultimately happens after this game is we find out that he's been in the house all along... When they got in a fight, he was telling her, like, hey, I want to show you uh, Tomas's little sack boy. He's like, I want to show you his, uh, his, like, secret house or whatever. And we see a flashback of her, like, in a closet, like, moving some stuff around and, like, some big heavy metal scaffolding, like, falls against one wall. And we learn at the end that that wall was a secret door into a, a, a room in the basement and uh what happened to tomas or to to their to her son is that he was hiding from her uh she accidentally blocked the door and he died down there in the basement and she finds his little mummified body 
and uh, then takes a bunch of pills so she can uh, so she can die uh, and uh, stay in the orphanage as a ghost and take care of all the children and her son. That was her her wish. She played their game. She found the thing that she loved that was taken from her, and her wish is to stay and take care of all the little kids forever. And so she's a ghost now. Yeah. I will say my favorite sequence from the the third act is when she's playing the knock-knock game with all the kids and knocking on the wall. It's basically red light, green light, but but knocking on a wall instead. And uh, again, it's a total cliche of like they turn the camera and there's a bunch of ghost kids there and they turn back. And uh, we see a close-up of her face, and then they turn again, and they're closer. Well, what I really love is when they do it, like, the first couple times she turns and looks back over her shoulder, and it's like, okay, the door is open, but nothing's there. She turns back, knocks, turns around again, there's one kid. There's one ghost kid. She turns around, knocks, turns back, then there's all the kids, and they're a little bit closer. Yeah, I thought that sequence was, was done uh, nicely as and well. And again, it's like a cliche at this point, but uh, it's so well executed in this movie mm-hmm. that it really stands out. I thought the very ending where she like dies and all of like the ghost kids come to her and like the lighthouse is shining in the background, I thought that shit was way too fucking schmaltzy. That was like a sickly sweet sentimental, I thought. Yeah, I see that. And I can totally get that. It really got me. I wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> I don't think I. Um, I don't I know. If... Whole, like maybe it's my sniffles. You know, maybe it's my cold. I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm still getting kind of sentimental thinking about it. I don't think that, like, as an ending, it necessarily bothered me. But like, just like the way they did it, and like the music and everything, it was just like it was a bit melodramatic. It's so melodramatic, especially like this movie is not like devoid of melodrama. Sure, um, and you know that is kind of the 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 Spanish way, right? The Spanish are a very <laughs> melodramatic <laughs> yes. people, um, but uh, it's. Uh, it was just like that at the end. I was like, ugh. It's like, I, I don't mind that this is the turn of events. Like, I, I think it makes sense that, like, oh, you know, she dies so she can, like, be with her son and the and her friends from when mm-hmm. she was a kid. Like, I think that's fine. But it's just like, the whole presentation was, was like, it's like wading through whipped cream for me. Like, I think, I think there's, I think there are ways that you could treat that where it's more kind of uh i don't know it it, it matched her emotions like yeah those things are amplified because they would be in you know in the person experiencing them um i know that's sort of a art housey answer but i i do i I mean it matches her perspective well enough like you're not you're not wrong Uh, about that uh, yeah and and again I, i i i'm not trying to present this as like a i know more than kind of thing of course but like from my own personal experiences with having to deal with like you know like being very close with friends who you know lost children you know and stuff it's like that took me back to a lot of that and it on a very personal level it it hit me pretty hard and i'm not going to go into that 
because it's not. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. Place, but I'm not saying yeah. that it like can't be emotional and impactful, but yeah. it's one of those. It's like it's done in such a way that like I I can see the strings that they're pulling. Yes. You know, to try oh, yeah. to try to manipulate my emotions. It feels emotionally manipulative yeah. when the subject matter alone is enough to elicit an emotional reaction i think because it is a heavy subject matter and it's just like i i honestly i think uh i think like 70 percent of my problem with it is like how over the top the the score is the music is and that part it's like dial the music down some and i think that would already eliminate a lot of my issues with how fucking schmaltzy that shit is it's just like it's so especially like especially for like horror movies like this like haunted house stuff like i don't know i don't really like like really big like soaring orchestral musical passages like i will it, say it like feels a lot of the grand. score is very orchestral yeah and, and i think that's i think that's another kind of like symptom of its time kind of deal yeah. like i think there's just kind of movies had scores like that the, yeah they were like this 2000s. is cinematic right yes exactly it's like you're watching a movie and this is the big emotional climax isn't it just so heartrending and it's like, yes, it is, but I guess. dial it down a little bit, my man. I See, I'm with Nicole Kidman on this one. I, I go to movies to... Heartbreak feels good in a place like this? Heart, oh, is that what you're saying? Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Yeah, that is what I'm saying. And I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that, uh, tell you what, tell you what. I will concede that it is saccharine, that it is sugary. Yeah. Um, I won't concede uh, or no, I, well, no. I, I just I will concede that, and then the other thing isn't a, a, a thing to concede or not over, and that is just that it it works those for you. Those things still get me, yeah, personally. Like for a, a great example is like I still tear up over movies like Beasts of the Southern Wild, which is full of that. Like that's a movie. That oh yeah, well, I mean that's a great soundtrack. It's really intense. It's about a, a kid, and like it's a really heavy movie, <laughs> and it's all overplayed, and it's all very dramatized. Man, that's such a fa- that's such a going. fantastic example because that yes. illustrates exactly my problem. I hate Beasts of the Southern Wild. Oh man, yeah, it's I, like, I for for the exact for the exact reasons that you love it. Long. It is a very saccharine and sugary movie. And for that and thing, I is like it's up, so. It it's yeah. so fucking schmaltzy. Yeah. just like it so. I'm. I feel like I'm in the middle like with that stuff. Like that every day, but every once in a while, I really appreciate it. Look, and, I'm. I'm not uh, like. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that I'm like a heartless person or that I'm above this kind <laughs> no, of stuff. No, no, no. Like I. Like I will. I will admit that like I tear up during Sam's speech at the end of the Two Towers to Frodo every single time. Um... Same when uh, when Frodo and Gandalf sail off uh, into the east at the end of Return of the King, and that music hits. Like I I get fucking I get fucking teary eyed every single time. Like I'm not I'm not above oh. it. I'm not well, above it. But but crying over Lord of the Rings. Yeah, man. I say it with tears streaming down my face. <laughs> 
I don't trust I don't trust people who don't cry at the end of Lord of the Rings. It's sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're all gonna be crying with the new series. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for totally different reasons. What have you done? Uh, uh, <laughs> does anybody else have anything to say about the orphanage? I I pretty much yeah. I I don't have much more to say. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, right. it was, it was a good movie. I, uh, it was not great for me. It was a good movie that I think, uh, I probably would have enjoyed more if I'd seen it when it came out. Uh, I think part of the reason why it, it sort of, uh, uh, was lukewarm for me in a lot of respects is again, not the film's fault. It's just cause I've seen so many movies like this. I like uh, to say they it's a victim of its influences. Yeah. Yeah. No, I th- I think that's a that's a good way to put it. But that being said, like it is it's uh I I do like it better than a lot of the movies like it, especially uh American movies like yes. it. Um I I think it's uh yeah, it's it's a very well-made film top to bottom. Um all of, like the individual aspects of it um from technical perspectives or it's it's really good um oh you know overall just because like i it's not it's it's the kind of movie that i've seen enough of that i'm not like really looking for more movies like this uh i'm gonna give it a solid three and a half out of five i think that feels right to me yeah ditto that i would give it a strong three and a half out of five as well. Um, like I mentioned, I don't know how this movie is going to stick with me just because, again, I, I feel like it's the victim of all the movies that it influenced, you know? So, like, ultimately, we'll see. Um, but I I think this movie is very well put together and executed, Um a little schmaltzy at times, but I can give it a pass um, because it um, does what it does very well. It's very well uh, acted. All the acting is really great, and uh, it looks nice. So, yeah, check it out. Cleve? Four out of five. Uh, this is a really solid, this is like, just yeah, I would look at this, and I, it's that, that number comes very easily for me. Four out of five, you know? Yeah. Is it a five? No. Four solid, um, great. Even you know, like again, I it's not the best thing I've ever seen, and blow my dick off or anything like that. But I I really liked it. There's a lot of things. It, it sat it sat with me very well. It was almost comforting, um, and uh, I I really enjoyed how it subverted those things. Uh, and and not I never felt like the the those those cliches were subverted in a cheeky academic dumb kind of way i felt like they were always subverted with intent with something to say um uh and that's that's gratifying and nice and it, it wasn't until like a little after i'd watched it that i thought about that i said like what what was it about this because you had it had so many of those those sequences that we see we've seen time and time again um and it was just yeah they're well fucking executed and that that's enough for me uh so yeah i i enjoyed this movie a pretty good amount and yeah, I don't have too much to rag on it for uh, either. I, but you know, I can totally see how if I gotten a little less sleep that night or just had something bad for breakfast that morning, uh, giving it a lower score. 
you know, it, it's the kind of thing where I can I can definitely see that. You know, like if I if it had been a different kind of day, and I'd like, I could have I could have e- very just as easily fallen asleep during this movie as I could have during Crimes of the Future. You know, like, <laughs> um, that's not Crimes of the Future's fault. Like that, I had a really long day, and I just I was just too tired. Uh, but you know, so that could have happened with this movie just as well. So I don't remember what I gave Crimes of the Future, but uh, yeah, this is a four. This is a four for me. Well, that will give the orphanage an average of three point seven out of five. Uh, it might not be the most original movie, but it is, uh, it's pretty good. Um, I, yeah, I I guess, uh, uh, a little capstone that I, that I wanted to mention and forgot is like, I think I, I like ghost stories where the ghost isn't evil. It's just really sad. Uh, and, uh, I feel like those kinds of movies aren't made enough. And this, this movie definitely falls into that camp, which is why it reminds me of the devil's backbone a lot as well. Is that like the horror doesn't come from the fact that the ghost is angry and evil. It's just that being dead is really fucking sad, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And that's what's scary about it. And, uh, I appreciate that. So yeah, uh, 3.7 out of 5, check it out if you haven't seen it. I, I'd give it a recommendation. Um, what's next week? Is next week Nope? Yep. Oh, shit. Or I should say Nope. <laughs> nope. Oh, my uh, God. Not of planet Earth. Here it comes. Oh, man, we've been waiting for this one for a long time. Yeah. And who, boy, I feel like I've been seeing the trailers for this movie for my entire life. So yeah. I'm, uh, but I'm, but yeah, I'm excited, absolutely. man. It, it sure, it sure looks good. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I've honestly been avoiding some of the newer trailers that reveal too much. They very much recontextualize the tone of the film. So yeah, uh, I, I don't think I've actually seen that trailer. No. So yeah, I haven't either. I didn't know that there was any tone to be recontextualized. I mean, no, there's tone, but I didn't know it was yeah. recontextualized. Wow. Well, well, we'll, we'll see next week. Uh, can Jordan Peele uh, pull off a three for three? Uh, I sure hope so. Well, uh, Cleveland is not in the room uh, to do sponsors, so I'll do it. Oh, okay. Uh, let, me, let, me at least, let me at least do my part and play you in. All right, here we go. Okay. <laughs> I was yeah. not expecting I was that. Not that either. He actually played us in. Okay, all right. This episode of Pod People is brought, is brought to you by the loose cream cheese I left in your shoes. <laughs> you ever you ever put your shoes on and feel something squishing and squashing between your toes? Well, that's just the loose cream cheese that I left there. Oh, is that what that is? I hope uh. I hope you like it. I left it there for you. <laughs> well, thanks, bud. Dr. Scholl's more like Dr. Philadelphia's. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Philadelphia. <laughs> oh well thank you again this episode is brought to you by the loose cream cheese that i left in your shoes all right well that will do it for us this week if you like the show why don't you leave us a five-star rating on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
You can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Uh, shout outs to honorary pod boys Sam Simon and Zach Confer. This was, of course, a Patreon pick episode, which is one of the perks you get if you join our honorary pod boy tier on Patreon. You can send us recommendations. We'll add them to a list, and then we choose them at random to talk about. That's what this episode was. So uh, if you want to be one of those folks, you can go to Patreon. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and at Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. I am on Twitter at Some Spooky Snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Lyric Studios who put out progress on its stairs back. But in the meantime, you can check out all my work on DreadXP.com for all the cool games that we're working on. I'm working on most of them. <laughs> Excuse me. Goddamn cold. <laughs> Fuck. Um, in some capacity, you can leave that in. Uh, in some capacity, I'm working on them. Uh, you know, doing art or whatever uh, for for stuff. You know, cool posters and things like that. Uh, and uh, yeah, go go check it out. There's all sorts of cool stuff. Mortuary assistance coming up. It's coming up fast. We just put out a cool new update on the dread on dread delusion. It's an early access right now. Go fly amongst the, the Crimson Isles or whatever the cool lore they're called. I forget what it <laughs> you is. You don't even know. No, I, I, I knew, and, and then I got a head cold, and I'm all foggy. But it's something like <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I promise, I promise. Uh, but yeah, no, it's really dope. Uh, we've got a lot of really cool games uh, coming up. So and that's it from me. All right, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening. We love and appreciate all of you folks who are along for the ride. Uh, And until next time, you never know, there might be a sad ghost in your house. Bye. Or a flute ghost.